Amen. Good. Thank you, Brian. So I'll enjoy that prayer because it's really about um, knowing the Lord. And that's what this group, Christian Students on Campus, is all about, is about knowing a person. And we know this person primarily through getting in his word. We love the Bible. Let's all say that. We love the Bible because it's God's word. And as you know, we've started a new cycle of reading the Bible uh, for all the freshmen coming in. Maybe some of you have never read the Bible, the whole New Testament. Well, this is your opportunity. Your first year at UT, you would finish the whole New Testament. And that reading schedule is right before you right there. You're not that far behind. We really emphasize having companions uh, so you have accountability and uh, someone to help encourage you. And we also are starting a cycle, a three-year cycle of the Old Testament. So probably very few of you read through the whole Bible. Well, this is an opportunity to get on board. And by the time you graduate from UT, UT you would have read the whole Bible. That would be a great accomplishment because on the main building of your campus, the tower, it got lit up last night, by the way, and on the prominent side of the tower is an inscription, and it's a quote. And who can tell me what that quote is? Yeah, yes, ma'am. You got it. You should know the truth. And who, by the way, where do you find that quote? In the Bible. And who said that? Jesus Christ. So shining out over your university is the Lord speaking. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And a little bit later in John, he says he's the truth. He's the reality. In the song we sang, the word reality came out. Jesus Christ is not just doctrine. He's real. And he can become our reality by experiencing him. And that's what we want to focus on this morning uh, getting into his word so he becomes real to us as college students. I'm an alumni here in the 70s, and that's when Christ became so much more real to me. I was already a believer from the fourth grade, but not until I got in college and met these, these Christians here and got some help to know him in the word did my Christian life start to take off. So you're in a good place, and you have the word before us. So last week... We were on Genesis, and the last two Thursdays, we've been on the book of Matthew, uh, because we're reading in Matthew, and we're speaking about these two books, Matthew and Genesis, because we want to strengthen your reading. We want to support that reading. We want to encourage you to uh, develop this habit. When I was your age at this campus, this is one of the best habits I developed. I'm still doing it today. I've already done my Bible reading this morning. It's still with me decades and decades later. So if you want to grow in the Christian life and be strengthened, uh, taking in God's word, just like you take in physical food, is a real necessity. So really promote reading the Bible and reading it with other people. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to meet together to read it, but you have a companion and you can text each other, hey, did you get to reading? Oh, I like this verse or something like that. So we want to continue in Genesis. Now, how many were here last week when we were in Genesis? Raise your hand up. Okay, so all of you are uh, qualified to give us a little review of the main speaking last week. We saw a key verse, and it was about God's purpose. And can anybody remember what the key verse was? 
It's a huge verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. It's on your outline if you forgot under point one. God's purpose. Uh, let's go ahead and read the title of this uh, sharing this morning up top. Ready? God's procedures to fulfill his purpose. God's procedures to fulfill his purpose. So we have to back up a little bit. We want to see the procedures this morning, but we also want to see uh, God's purpose, how he fulfills his purpose. So again, what did we see from last week about God's purpose? Remember, Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, the two bookends are unique chapters in the Bible because that's before Satan tempts man to fall. And then 21 and Revelation is after he, Satan, is cast in the lake of fire. So you have pre-Satan's activity on man and then post-Satan's activity on man. So you get some clear seeing of God's purpose without all the noise. Remember the illustration last week of all the noise, the background noise. Satan's making all kind of noise to confuse us, to get us off track. Well, in these two chapters, they're unique because he is not working on man. He is out of the picture. So what is God's purpose regarding man? From the very beginning, before Satan corrupted man, we have Genesis 1.26. And let's read that together. Go. Okay, and what key words do we focus in on last week? You remember? Image. image. In our image. You can underline that. In our image and let them have dominion. Two key phrases which are deep in meaning. Uh, in our image, we saw that is to express. Remember that? If you're going to, God wants to be expressed, he has to have someone that looks like him, both inwardly and outwardly. So we often use the illustration of a glove. What image does this have? Obviously, get the thumb out there. So the manufacturer of this, what did they manufacture? What is the purpose of this glove? The person who designed this glove, created it, what did they have in mind? One purpose, right? What is that? To put a hand in it. This is the purpose of this glove. It's got the image of a hand. So image represents what the purpose is. This tells you what the purpose of this is, right? It's very clear. It's not for my toes. <laughs> my kids growing up, they would uh, take these plastic ones and make balloon out of them and then put them on their head like a rooster. And <laughs> then they'd put sand in it and, or water and chunk them at each other. But the glove would say, whoa, that's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. But only when a glove comes in, the hand, sorry, comes into the glove, is this glove really satisfied. Ah, oh, it feels so good. I was made for this human, this warm, human, strong hand to be in me. I'm happy, I'm happy. Big smiley face, I'm happy, I'm happy. So you put dirt in it or flowers or rocks or air or water, it says, uh, not made to contain that. You can put that in me, but that is not my purpose. Ask my maker, right? So we have to come back to this image, man being in God's image, and no other, the two dogs that live in our house, they are not in God's image. But my kids and my wife and I, we are in God's image. So there's a big difference between man 
and all the other created beings. Man is set apart because he alone is in God's image. He, God cannot fill, fulfill his purpose with any other of his creation than man. You are very special, Will. You're welcome. Stand up. <laughs> this is a photograph of God. Nice, nice looking, right? <laughs> Never forget your ID. Remember, we put on the board, uh, flashed up ID. Image is I, and dominion for representation is D, your ID. I had flew, flew in last night, and I had to show them my ID. Your ID is that you are in God's image to represent God. So we got to get that purpose straight. And then we can move on to see, now, how is God going to fulfill this purpose? So underline our image and have dominion. Our image, underline our likeness, too. Our image is more inward, the inward parts of man, and likeness is more outward, what man looks like outwardly. When God came in the flesh, what did he look like? A giraffe? A dinosaur? A rhinoceros? A man! So we are in God's form outwardly, and we also have his inner attributes inside man. Man is very special. You're a very special person. Okay, so let's move on to the three steps. Uh, the first step, now, how is God going to accomplish with this man fulfilling his purpose to have a man in his image to express him? How is he going to get expression? How is he going to get expression out of this and dominion out of this? Well, he tells us in chapter 2 the procedure, the process. Oh, a, lot of a lot of you are engineers. You study processes. Okay? There is a way to accomplish what your goal is. And the very first one is, let's read that. The first step, we're going to go one, two, three, very simple. The first step is what? Read it. Creating man as a vessel to contain God as life. Okay, so creating man as a vessel. Vessel just means container. And a container is to contain. I want you to underline vessel to contain. So if God's going to get his life expressed, he has to have some container for that life. The sun doesn't contain, the earth doesn't contain, the trees can't contain. He created all that, but they cannot contain the eternal life of God, which is how he expressed himself. So he has to have a container, so he chose you, he chose man to be this container. And then let's read that verse. Go. Genesis 2, 7. This is how he formed man. Go. Jehovah God formed man with the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Okay, so God formed man. Think about this. Come here, Andrew. What is this? <laughs> Dust. This is dirt. Here, let me put a little bit in your hand there. This is dirt. This is what... Oh, you can put it back. This is what you're made of. He formed man... So how about you just get down here, and right, lay up there here. Lay, lay down there. Take a little rest. So God wanted to create a container, so he took dust. Dust, inorganic. Now this will stump all the, well, we won't get into that. 
How can you make something inorganic organic? A big difference between organic and inorganic chemistry, right? So he goes from inorganic, he takes dust of the ground, and he takes this and he forms, <laughs> what does the verse say? From the dust of the ground, he formed man. And then what did he do? So now you have a corpse. And then what did he do? He breathed. God breathed into his nostrils. What did he breathe in his nostrils? The breath of life. So you combined a physical body with the breath of life, which in other places in the Old Testament is translated spirit, God's spirit. You connect God's spirit with man's body, and man became a what? Living soul. This is how Adam was formed. Dust, breath, man, living soul. Isn't that so good? Amen. So man, the next verse, why don't you read the next verse? It's in the New Testament. The God of peace himself sanctify you holy and may your spirit. Okay, so uh, there's three parts of man listed in this verse in the New Testament, and they are what? Spirit, soul, and body. So I want you to take your pencil, if you have it, and connect. You have to do a little bit of research here and figure out. Connect that with Genesis 2-7. What are those three parts mentioned in Genesis? Draw a line. Of course, one of them says a living soul. And so you have soul, that's, an, that's a giveaway, that's a give me. And then you gotta figure out body comes from where and spirit comes from where. This is thousands of years later in the New Testament. You got it? So who can tell me what you came up with? A little pop quiz here, let's see how you did. Who connected, what, what words did you connect? Soul and soul, we got that. What, other, what else did you connect? Got it. Good, Cecilia. Yeah, dust of the ground with body and breath of life with spirit. She gives her an A plus for this course. Good job. You're off to a good start. Okay, so man is a container with body, soul, spirit. Body contacting the physical realm. You're eating. You're drinking. You're clothing yourself. The soul is psychological realm. Some of you are studying psychology, or at least you're using your mind to study at UT. And then the third part is uh, spirit. So that's the spiritual world. There's the physical world. There's the psychological world. We're communicating. You're hearing me right now, and you're understanding what I'm saying. We're speaking God's word. You're processing that. That's communicating psychologically. And also, hopefully, there's some impartation of spirit into your innermost part, your spirit. So there's a physical realm, a psychological realm, and a spiritual realm. And a lot of people don't believe God is real because they've never touched or experienced the unseen spiritual realm. So they say, not there, not there, not there. Well, it is there, he is there. This person is alive and you can have a personal relationship with him, contacting him 
Remember the song, open up your mouth and you'll see how rich in our spirit can he be? Okay, so these three parts, I hope you'll remember these three parts and then we'll have a lot more fellowship in the coming days about uh, these particular parts. Okay, so uh, let's move on. Well, let me just uh, point this out. Um, this is also image, back to the glove. What is, what is this supposed to contain? Water. Okay, water bottle. But it's empty. So we have the container, a water bottle container, but no content. So after he had formed man of the dust of the ground, you have a container, a vessel to contain, but, oh, sorry. Uh, nothing in it. So still not completely satisfying God. There's no content. Uh, sorry to say, and we'll get to this, before God could come in as a content, uh, we got wrong content, dirt. So he has to take care of this problem, which we see in chapter 3. Is this what made, this bottle is made to contain dirt? No. What is this made to contain? Water. So this one has purpose. This has image. This has wrong content. And this one has image and right content. So the Lord had to take care of this problem that came in later. So we want to go to see step three. I'm sorry, step two, number three. Let's read that together. Okay, so uh, here he places man in front of the tree of life. Y'all sang about this morning, the tree of life. And here's uh, Genesis 2 and 2, 8 and 9. How about this section of the room? Read Genesis 2, 8 and 9 for me. Go. And Jehovah God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground Jehovah God caused to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, as well as the tree of life in the middle of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so here uh, in the middle of the garden, he, he identifies... He causes all the trees to grow here good for food and pleasant out of the same dust of the earth. And the Bible only mentions two trees specifically. And this is very significant because in the middle of that garden, right in the middle, was the tree of what? Life. And then also in the garden was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So not the apple tree that you might have heard about. It's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I didn't get the verse down here, but he told man, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely be wise and knowledgeable and happy and free. What? Dead. dead. Whoa! <laughs> I eat this tree and I'm dead? Wait a minute. That's why I came to UT, to grow my mind, to get full of knowledge. You mean I eat this tree of knowledge and it's going to kill me? Grant. Here's some poison right here, Grant. Eat it, Grant. <laughs> so Satan came in subtly. He didn't come at. He came in cloaking himself. Knowledge. 
good. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> Got deceived. And that's the problem. That's why this came in. So the principle here is the tree of knowledge makes us the reason that kills us. Why does it, let me just ask you, why is it that the tree of knowledge kills us? Where the tree of life obviously gives us what? Life. life. Here, eat this tree. You're going to live forever. You're going to have God's eternal life. Bring it on. So why is the tree of knowledge, why would man die by taking in knowledge? Isn't knowledge good? What, what's, what gives here? Not so easy, the Bible. That's why you need this group. You need to study the Bible. The Bible is the deepest book you'll ever touch. It's profound. It's God revealing himself. Just in simple terms, the tree of life represents dependence. Write this down. By eating, man, is a bit, man was created to be dependent. He depends on air. Take a nice deep breath. Ah, you live by that air. Uh, you had a nice snack this morning. We're going to give you lunch after the meeting. You depend on the food coming into you to live. De man was made to depend on God, not to be independent. And that's what the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it sets you up to be God yourself deciding between right or wrong, good and evil, rather than taking God and letting God be the one and the decider who made you for his purpose. Now you become so knowledgeable. You become independent of God. That's very dangerous to be independent of your creator. Very dangerous proposition, but that's how Satan duped us and lured us away and has built knowledge up to be so admired, but it actually brings in death to man. A lot of bright people. I've talked to professors. I've even spoken here at UT and talked to a lot of, and they're very bright people, but if they're not, if they don't know Jesus Christ, there's a bitterness, uh, there's just complications in the human life. Christ is what we're made for, not to contain knowledge. We weren't made to contain knowledge. Get your degree, get another degree, do what you need to do, but you weren't made for that. What would you make, what were you made for? to contain and express God. So this second step is having man receive God as life. So he put man in front of the tree, and then he also put man in the garden with its river. How about this side of the room? Read uh, under three, read B. Putting man, that one. Read the river. Go ahead, read the verses. And the river went forth from Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided Okay, so here's a river flowing to water. Water means life. Some of you may be from Arizona or West Texas, not much water, desert, not much life. No water. Water is a symbol of life. So you have to see the tree of life, and if you read later in the Bible, you see the water of life. These two symbols represent God's life, the eternal life. So man was intended to take in God from the very beginning as his life and enjoy God and live by God and also drink in the living, flowing life of God. That's what we were made for. And you can see that in the garden with the 
tree and the river both symbolizing depending on that supply in order to have a normal human life. Just like Jesus Christ relied fully on the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And this was God himself incarnated in the flesh. But as a human, he wouldn't take his own way. He totally depended on the Father. And look how wonderful that person lived. Okay, so the principle is dependence with the tree of life and the water of life or independence with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You got that? So that's the second step. So let's review the first step again. Now remember, God wants to fulfill his purpose to have an expression and dominion through human beings, not just individuals, but just even corporately. We'll get to that in a minute. So how is he going to, how is he going to accomplish this? What's the process? First of all, what? Make man as a container, but he's still empty. So now he has to place him in front of a tree and water so he can take in this life. Step two, right? Step one is what? Create as a vessel to contain. Got the container? Now take this container and put it right in front of the tree of life and the water of life to take it in. That's step two. But before man could get it in, get the life of God in, we got tricked. Okay. Uh, let's go on to step three. Uh, let's all together read uh, number four. The third step, go. Working God into man as life to be his complement. Okay. So one, two, three. Make a container. Put it in front of the tree of life, which symbolizes God. And then work this life into man. Winning formula here. One, two, three. Create a vessel in my image and dominion. Looks like me, can contain me, has a spirit. Put him in front of the tree of life so he can take me in initially and then work myself throughout his whole life, my life into him. Then God has his purpose. Easy. One, two, three. That's what the Bible lays out. So A, man typifying God, needing to have a compliment. So now we bring in a need. Why is God so desirous to have man to fulfill his purpose? Because God actually has the need to have a compliment. And you see this from these two verses. Let's have the, all the, uh, how, how about all the guys? Uh, Genesis 2, 18, 20, B, go. Okay, and the dot, dot, dots was, um, uh, there was um, the animals that he marched in front of him. He had all the animals, and Adam named all the animals. And then that's where 20 comes in. And for Adam, there was not found a helper as his counterpart. So all the giraffes, all the everything, hippopotamuses, uh, little uh, doggies. But Adam said, no, that's not my match, not me. I'm not going to marry that. Are you done, God? I mean, that's all you have to offer me? Doesn't match me. I can't. That can't be my compliment. So uh, now let's read B. Man gaining a compliment in and by life. I hope you're king on the word life here. It's in every one of these phrases, life. 
That's the eternal life of God, now the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. It's always by life. And so this one really nails it down. Uh, Jehovah God caused a deep sleep. Come here. I won't use that. How about you, EJ? You come up here. So now man's going down again. We had, we had the dust. We had the formation. And now EJ uh, is going to be Adam. And God caused a deep sleep. Oh, right before, <laughs> right before classes. A deep sleep. So man's down again. First time man was down, he took dust and made this guy. And now he got the guy down again. And caused a deep sleep upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs. So he opens up man. <laughs> takes a rib. He's a good surgeon. He sews him back up. So he takes a rib. He closes up the flesh in its place. And then Jehovah God built. Uh, Alicia, why don't you come up here? You knew this was coming, didn't you? I didn't talk to her about it, but she, she knows how this works. So from this rib, Adam's rib, from Adam, God did not create a man and then create a woman. He took from his creation the life, the bone, you know, bone generates, y'all studying chemistry, the life, blood is all, the bones are amazing. He took the rib, so he short one rib, but look what he gets. And out of the rib, let's all read uh, 22. How about the, the girl, all about all the, girl, all the girls read 22. So from Adam's rib, he added more life and built, built, come on over here. Come on, Adam, you can wake up now. And now this rib, all the way up, and this rib now is built into a woman, and he said, into a woman, and brought her to the man. <laughs> They're a married couple. And the man said, how about man, you read that one. This time, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman because out of man, this one was taken. This time. This one. Forget the giraffes. Forget the grasshoppers. This one. This time it's me. It is actually me enlarged, right? Took this one out built this woman, and presented her to him. Yeah. Okay, y'all can sit down. So this is highly significant. On the cross, this symbolizes Jesus Christ put to sleep, and God took something from Jesus Christ, outflowed blood and water, this represents the eternal life, the unbroken bone. Remember, they said on Jesus Christ, not one of his bones would be broken. They smashed the, the two thieves. But with Jesus Christ, they took a spear, didn't break his bone because the eternal life is unbreakable and outflowed blood and water from Jesus Christ. So Adam here is typifying Jesus Christ to solve the problem on the cross of our sins, 
to get this gunk, this junk out of us to clean us up, but still empty. So blood cleaned us up and water filled us up. Back to God's purpose. Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, brought us back to God's purpose. He has brought the eternal life into us. All those who pray to receive Jesus Christ now have God himself as Jesus Christ through the Spirit living in you. You are in God's purpose. You are one happy glove. Yay, I'm happy. I'm, I'm according to my purpose, right? Okay, I'm out of time. Um, there's some verses at the end there, Revelation, showing the, showing the water of life at the very end of the Bible, still flowing. You can underline water of life in verse 1. You can underline uh, tree of life in verse 2. Telling you, this is the key principle. Don't ever forget when you're reading the scripture, these two, this line is from the very beginning all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, and the very end, a matter of the tree of life and the water of life. Taking Jesus Christ into us fulfills God's purpose. When you read the Bible, you need to be looking for the water of life and even drinking it as you read and the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ as the Spirit flowing in us, right? You got it? Okay, how about we give a little time uh, for you to share something. This last verse, by the way, just mentions, it just proves a point that um, the body of Christ, which is also known as a church, is Christ himself. That's, that may tilt your head there. The, the body of Christ is actually Christ himself. Just like Eve was Adam enlarged. The church is not good works. It's not great doctrine. It's not, um, uh, what else could it be? Uh, good knowledge. The church is only Christ enlarged. Only Christ himself is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So that's why in this group we emphasize knowing Christ and experiencing that person in us for his enlargement, which is, becomes his body. There'll be much more fellowship about that as we uh, continue on our Sunday mornings. Okay, how about, uh, I think you have a little bit of time. If some of you like to respond, you can say something to confirm this morning or maybe in your Bible reading from Matthew or some other part of Genesis you'd like to uh, share something. Just take maybe five or ten minutes, and I think there's some announcements.